Welcome to the Creative Wellness Podcast with Bethann Short. I'm back. Uh, this is Bethann with the Creative Wellness Podcast, and I'm really excited. Today I'm talking to my friend and fellow artist, Lindsay Grant. Hi, Lindsay. Well, hello, Bethann. I have to tell you, it's, it's an honor for me to be here. That's nice of you to say. Um, I'm glad that you had some time to do this with me, and I'm excited to talk about lots of things with you. Um, how long have we known each other? Oh, a decade, probably. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. So um, Lindsay has been in multiple shows here at my studio over the years when we used to have monthly art shows. Um, and our art shows were not your typical art show. They were group shows, always with a theme. And so people would uh, submit into these group shows themed art. So, for instance, there might have been one about mischief or the human-animal bond. Um, what's, what's one that you remember participating in? I know you did that Shrines show. I did that Shrines show. I think you had the postcard, too. Like I the do. Image and of and uh, you selected two of my works for postcards for mm-hmm. two different shows. Yeah? Yeah. So, yeah. I. It, it still astounds me. I, it's such an honor, such a validation to have someone of your caliber and expertise to say, yeah, this is a pretty good work. Of my caliber? Oh my gosh, I'm blushing right now. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not nice. I, I, you know, I speak from my truth, and that's my truth. Aww. It's a very emotional one Aww. since we've known each other um, quite a long time. And um, it's just a, a privilege to consider you part of my uh, supportive network. My well, family of choice. It's an honor to be in that group, for sure. Today we are going to talk about a project that's coming up, and it's the third of uh, my summits, my creative summits that I've been having. Um, just a little background for you listeners out there. Um, our, the summits are underneath the big umbrella of Artist Humankind Location Earth, and Really, my biggest um, piece of why I do this, these summits, is so that people can feel connected to each other. Um, They can feel they're not alone in the world and what they're experiencing. And um, the first one I did was on caregiving. And so all of those who participated did art around caregivers. Uh, The second one was the gender summit, and we are about to launch the Survivor Summit, and Lindsay has been in every one of them, and is going to be in the next one. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm excited to talk to you here today to kind of, you know, do this like pre-launch for the Survivor Summit, Mm -hmm. but also maybe if we could just kind of talk about what it was like I mean, you've seen this project evolve 
into this, what it is now. It started off a lot different. What do you remember some of your impressions of the Caregiver Summit? It couldn't have happened at a more apropos time because my son and his, uh, his son's mother, she was pregnant at the time, were living with me. And it was really, really difficult uh, and caused me to reflect a lot on um, what is codependent behavior mm. in terms of caregiving and where is the self-care piece. And uh, if I'd not been involved in the summit, I, I probably would have, uh, I, for sake of the audience, um, I've been diagnosed with bipolar dis- disorder and PTSD. And so um, overt stress is a real trigger for me. And there's nothing like having someone who's disruptive in in your household to um, take that sanctuary piece of it away. Uh, and there and women just seem to have uh, more of a feeling of obligation in terms of taking care of other people and putting other folks first. And today I know that that's wrong. That there needs to be a balance. But at the time, I felt so obliged to help these people out. Um, And in retrospect, I I probably could have drawn the line sooner. Because of the summit, though, uh, I was able to draw a line. And um, so I have to say, the Caregiver Summer had a very profound effect on my way of thinking about the subject. Yeah, I, I think um, it did for everyone. Uh, I remember it was a much smaller group. These summits are very all very unique. The gender summit being 29 people. You wow. know, the, the caregiver one was, I believe it was five, plus the interns that were here oh, yeah, that also was. made art at the time. Um, and, you know, the experiences of caregiving var- varied from a person who had a, a youth who had type 1 diabetes, and then there was somebody who was taking care of their mother who was, you know, experiencing dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and then your role of taking care of kids who are already adults and have come back to the house. Um, so it was, it was really, I, I thought it was pretty dynamic. Yeah. All of the different experiences. Do, do you have any um, any specific memories or maybe um, a piece of art that you uh, remember making that was really impacting for you? Um, well, the piece of art that I ended up making was about balance. And I didn't know going into it what was going to, how significant that was going to be in my life. Is this the piece with the curtain? This is the piece with the curtain, yeah. I'm going to put a picture of this piece on the blog when I post about this. So if you're interested in what this looks like, any of these art pieces that we might talk about today, okay. um, they'll be available to see on my blog. Okay. So. Well, the curtain is now a tablecloth in my son's house. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a, a shower curtain. Uh-huh. And, uh, but the piece that was behind the curtain is on my wall. Nice. In my room, yeah. So, and 
I go back and visit it every once in a while, and there's these little nuanced pieces that, that I'm able to reflect on. And most of them just make me smile, which is, you know, why I drive the car I drive. And Yeah, Lindsay's car, just, you know, maybe I'll even put a picture of Lindsay's car on. <laughs> um, is covered with uh, emojis and different faces. So it's kind of awesome. Yeah, she's kind of hard to miss. <laughs> and she's hard, and, and she's easy to find in a parking lot. So yes, and I that's bet. I bet. kind of the point. So then we did the, the gender summit. What do you remember about that? I had such a superlative time with, with the caregiver summit. When the gender summit came along, I went, oh, yeah, well, I don't have any issues around that. And then I started filling out the application, and I realized gender identity has been really significant for me through the years. And, um, I, and again, uh, it is because of the summit that I reflected on these things. And I think... Um, it wasn't one part of it was engaging with other folks in the summit, and um, but part of it is is just an acceptance of self. So um, uh, I, I I just have a new enlightenment about how society makes gender identity significant, but. It really detracts from people's sense of self-identity when their focus is on having to choose. And my feeling is you shouldn't have to make a choice. Yeah. I, I, uh, I didn't make art in the show for the Caregiver Summit. Um, and, but then when the Gender Summit happened, I decided to make art. And I'm going to in the Survivor one as well. Um, and I found, I, I kind of wish I had, I mean, I participated in some of the group things we did, but I didn't have art up for your show, for mm -hmm. the group show, um, for the caregiver one. Um, and, you know, thinking about the gender summit and, you know, we had such a broad spectrum of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had 29 people that were 15 years old all the way up to 75. Mm -hmm. And, um of all different gender expressions. And so folks were coming and doing open studio sessions here in my studio um, and not always with the same people. And so I thought there were pretty remarkable conversations happening whenever I was in around listening. Mm -hmm. Was there anything remarkable for you in your process? That, were there any moments that were highs or lows or just process that seemed... You know, I, I think it is that you have created such a safe space for people to make, to discuss things that are very poignant and very difficult. And, and having a safe space um, just allows you that liberty and comfort to express that and process it. Uh, and I'm not blowing smoke. <laughs> well, I, that's, I, I'm glad to hear that it I feels feel. that way. I mean, I definitely, that's my intention, obviously, is to create a safe space for everyone. Um, and I felt also able to take risks myself. And, you know, in art therapy, we have diff lots of different clinical approaches. And I feel like I'm definitely riding the client-centered but humanistic approach where I'm on the road with people when I do these summits. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm asking people to take creative risks. I feel like I should be with them on that journey and take my own risks as well. That's pretty bold. <laughs> well, it seemed like it's. I mean, it seems like the right thing to do. And I think then, like I think about the first one versus the second one. Um, yeah, it feels. Um, it feels like I said, just like I'm on that journey with them. So, so for this third one. You and I talked a lot about it before. <laughs> we have. <laughs> because um, of different feelings or thoughts. Um, because I'm, I can be very opinionated. And with no, regard to that, I... not I'm... you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that, though. You should have opinions, right? I do. And one of the reasons I like to be in the summit or like to uh, meet new people is that my opinions are constantly evolving based on the information that I require from other people that I, I acquire. And the spectrum of, of my, well, I, I could say pun, enlightenment uh, is, is broadened. And so I can take in more and, and reformulate opinions. And sometimes they don't change. Um, because experiential stuff uh, is, um, is, is, I think, um, probably the basis of, of where my opinion comes from. But th the thing is that my, I don't think that my experience is um, unique as much as it is universal. And that's what I try to when I do art or when I talk to people is to focus on uh, where we can connect and not where we're different. Nice. I like that. Again, comes back to that, the whole thing with artist, humankind, location, earth, just connecting with others. Yeah, connection is really important to me. And, and um, I've been working uh, with NAMI Montloma, which you know, and the basis of the project I'm in development for is basically I'm making connections mm -hmm. as uh, as a survivor technique, you know. Uh, and one of the things about surviving that I've learned is I, I really, uh, you can't do it in isolation. NAMI's uh, the National Alliance of Mental Health, and I work with the Multnomah chapter. And what they do, for the most part, is uh, facilitate peer-to-peer uh, -peer programs, and whether those are people who identify with mental illness or folks who identify as being challenged by mental illness because of friends and family. And so there are numerous support groups and events all around the strength of connection with someone who I have a, a, a peer connection with. And so it is for the summits that it's about peer connection. Uh, what is it that we have in common? And so that's the foundation. And I think why it works. I mean, for 80 years, we've known that, that peer support is an essential part of recovery because of the work of Bill W. and AA. Um, but in the terms of mental health, that's not been... That's not been a focus, and I think that it's just now becoming in vogue because 
now there is a peer support specialist credential, and now it can be billed for. Mm-hmm. So um, it's about time. Yeah, the the bottom line is is always green, and that's where a lot of acceptance is. But you know, as far as a practical piece, uh, peer support is always essential. So, and we know that in in terms of adolescence, because people they gravitate away from. Uh, family in terms of self-identity yeah. and more toward peers. That's what they do. And so, you know, it's it's the security when you're facing the unknown of having like-minded people around you. So whether you choose to go to church to find that peer support or whether you choose to hang out in a tavern, you know, you, people want, you want someone to reinforce uh, whatever behavior that you're choosing. And maybe it's open studio. And maybe, just maybe, it's open studio. So we have different open studio sessions that people attend aside from these projects. And there's definitely regulars. There's a nice community here. It's a great community. So, yeah, I'm feeling what you just said. Like, we live it every Thursday. Yeah. Let's talk more about the survivor thing. Okay. So... I'd like to hear more about your apprehensions around that. Because I know that the word bugged you. Okay, the word did bug me, and it's because I I have this image in the back of my brain of Tom Hanks in the movie Uh Cast Away, where Mm -hmm. he's buck naked, dancing in front of the fire. It's so gleeful. And, And he is a survivor, and he's joyous about it. But he's still buck naked. And my feeling about survivors is that the focus is on moving from trauma to a place where you're just looking back and say, yeah, I'm not there anymore. But it's not looking forward. And it's not gleaning anything from that trauma because you're not recognizing owning any part of it. And um, that... I really think that there's always good to be gleaned from what we term traumatic experiences, but you have to feel safe. And the nice thing about being in the in the studio is that it's a safe place to explore those things, or in the company of peers that uh, are supportive. Um, so I like the idea. I like the term victor better because oh, I think nice. of the term. Uh, the the old saying, to the victor goes the spoils. And so I, I, I imagine someone coming f- out of trauma or away from a battle of some kind, and then once they feel safe, once they feel that they've subdued their enemy, going back and gleaning something, you know, those the spoils, the good stuff, whatever remains mm-hmm. from that. And so you have something positive about that experience instead of just dancing buck naked in front of a fire. I remember, I, I mean, I can see that scene in my head when you're talking about it. And he's like, me man, make fire. You know, and he's like talking like a caveman. <laughs> right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but was... see, I, so in terms of survivor, I want something better. Mm-hmm. I don't want to focus on the trauma. I want to I wanna focus on this experience was healthy for me because this is what I gleaned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about um, the process of refining metals 
and how you heat them up, which is traumatic enough to separate the good metal to the bottom and the dross go, floats to the top. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's on the top, it's like when we experience trauma or revisit it, um, the bitterness and all the stuff that should be dispensable, the blaming, comes to the top, comes to uh, it, the forefront. The really rich stuff, the really valuable part is down deep. And that's heavy. But that's where the treasure is. So we have to really explore what's left and recognize that the stuff that floats to the top is not necessarily the good stuff. That's the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. That's blaming other folks for your trauma. That's not really exploring it and finding the rich metal I mean there's a reason that 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 process of heating stuff up there's a reason we go through trauma I mean other than it's just life um, it's it's to rush to our own mortality to play the victim so I'm not in a hurry to do that so. I've I've been able to witness a lot of your art um, that you've made in the studio and yeah, even, even before in art shows that you've had, I'm curious, uh, about your creative process and what kind of, how you access it. How do you access, um, what you need to let that flow happen? Cause you flow. I watch you flow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I wish I could can it, you know, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could say, well, this is how you do that, because but everybody's process is different, um, and uh, I, I guess I've had the great good fortune to have my right my right brain take over, and my left brain, my my logic uh, has always been somewhat dwarfed compared to that. Um, so I just. I, I think that my willingness to dance with my muse uh, rather than uh, turn it away, my openness to, to creating art as a spiritual process that is beyond my understanding and accepting that is important. Uh, and I, more than anything, having a sense of humor and the profound and the profane and the poignant Recently, um, you've been making lots of hats. You've been using hats as kind of your canvas, you know? Um, And other, like that lamp you did. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk about how you, like, when you're in your your stage where you're looking for stuff, you know how you're out there getting stuff? Yeah. Um, I wonder if you can talk about how maybe you, like, do you start to see art pieces when you're finding these things? Um, because you're, you're amazing at using found objects and incorporating things and reusing things and giving things a new life and new story and new narrative. So yeah, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I think, um, it's like my, using found objects, it's like my sense about surviving and giving these things the life 
a new life, a renewed life, a renewed purpose. And, and that's kind of my, the story of my journey, too. I mean, the reason that I changed my name when I got divorced was I, I'm starting a new life. I am creating a new identity. And um, it, it was um, not planned. It was, it was like I just happened upon it, kind of like the things that in the goodwill bins. It was like, this is an idea, and I think it's a good idea. And uh, I, when I come across found objects, it's more of an emotional reaction to that object mm -hmm. and a feeling that this needs to have a, a better purpose than laying in these bins or, or, you know, wherever I find something that has been, um, been rejected, been disposed of. So I, someone had no need for that, and, but kind of why I think um, a lot of people... have successful relationships if they feel they've been disposed of and someone comes along and says, I think you have potential. There is something very endearing about, about being so rescued. Um, but it's better if you rescue yourself. Mm -hmm. So There we go with that survivor thing. Um, maybe also the caretaker thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So do you have any thoughts about um, your piece or where you're going to go with this? Are you going to wait until it all unfolds? Oh, no, I have some really good ideas about this. Um, and uh, because I came to that, I had a reluctance to um, participate because of my image of Tom Hanks dancing. <laughs> um, I thought about your dog Gizmo and how he has such a survivor story and how he is apparently no worse for wear. I don't know if your audience is aware that uh, Gizmo was tossed from a car when he was a puppy on a busy street or a sidewalk adjacent to a busy street. That's not all of Gizmo's story, though. That's not all of Gizmo's story, but that that's the survivor part. Mm -hmm. Um and that although he had some separation anxiety, you know, early on, and that's understandable, um, he is such a great guy. <laughs> and uh, he, is, he is no, he really seems no worse for wear. And I looked at all pictures of him and I just went, you know, he is a great, he has, he's a great little survivor. He's tough. And not necessarily dependent on other people for his survival, but recognizes the importance of the other people in his mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I wanted to incorporate his little face in a car in my, in my piece. Right, is, is he's going to be involved he's in it? He's going to be involved in it, yeah. yeah. I think we should, we should also just elaborate a little bit. You took care of him for a while. Yeah, I fostered him for 18 months. And then... And then I us. had to go in the hospital last in May of 2018, and you offered to take him while I was in the hospital. And when I came out, I realized that your home was a much better home for him, and it's probably where he had needed to be. 
because he had a mom and a dad and a doting teenager and a fur buddy and a backyard and all the things little dogs need. <laughs> so, um, but he's he's still, you know, after a year and a half from puppyhood to almost adulthood, uh, a significant memory for me oh. and presence, of course, because you know, I still see him. And he's a well, he was part of the gender summit. Yeah, he was in. He's in pictures because right. he was with you at that time, and he was coming to the studio with you. Yeah, I think we definitely need to put his picture up. On we will this put. Podcast. We will add a gizmo picture for sure. <laughs> well, we're getting close to the end here, but I wanted to um, just kind of, you know, I'm just so so glad and so thankful that you're going to do it do the next one as well and um and just that you're such a strong community member of the studio um you know a big part of this podcast is is wellness creative wellness and using mm-hmm. creativity in your wellness and i always like to kind of ask people when i when i talk to them is what are some of your favorite ways to honor your creativity maybe it's not art maybe it is but you know what are some of the ways that you that you felt you feel that your creativity and your wellness come together? You know. Well, uh, as you know, 2018 was a rather tumultuous time in terms of health yeah. issues for me. Um, I had uh, what used to be called a nervous breakdown, mm. uh, but it was actually a physical one as well in May, and uh, I had to move twice and then had um, a diagnosis of uh, uterine cancer in September and mm-hmm. surgery in November. It's been a so, hor- horrible year. It, no, it was an eventful year. Eventful, okay. Um, and it, because if it was horrible, I'd be a survivor. Ah. Because I learned so much because of those events mm-hmm. um, and take such better care of myself. And it led to my uh, pressing in in terms of creating art uh, and uh, appreciating the therapeutic modality. And so um, I just uh, recognize, and I always have uh, been drawn to uh, environments where there were creatives because of the synergistic quality of when when you're around other creatives, there is an energy that is more than equal to the sum of the people that are there. Um, as we know in the summit, um, when we, we start processing, there is this unique connection that people have. Um, and it's in the sense of safety and, and the freedom or liberty to express things that are really hard to articulate. And um, I found that, for me, creating art is like processing dreams. That are, there's information, there are feelings and and, um, thoughts that are impossible to articulate or challenging to articulate. And that's, but have to be um, processed to stay well. And so, um, 
So I create art, and whether it is about political angst or uh, relationship-oriented angst uh, or personal history, uh, it is uh, it's significant and, and it is essential. One of my favorite books is The Little Prince, and um, the fox tells the prince, what is essential is invisible to the eye. And I think that the creative process is just one of those things that's invisible to the eye. You can't pinpoint it, and it's unique to every individual. But it is essential. Kind of like those essential oils that you <laughs> That I love. That you love so much. I do love them. I like that you're talking about the process. Um, you know, here it's it's what we stand by you know the product is definitely important but we don't I don't encourage people to figure out what it's going to look like I encourage people and to find a starting really, point and that's really really hard because we're yes. so geared it, you've taken plenty of art classes and I've taken plenty oh. of art classes and it's always been okay here is your subject this is the direction you need to go Right. and my work never turns out that way well, and I feel like that's an art school thing, you know. I did art school, and, you know, it's very product-driven. And I recently went to First Thursday um, last week, and I was walking around looking at art with a friend, and we were talking about piece, the process versus the product and um, how some of the pieces that we saw didn't feel like they had soul in them because they were more like, I'm going to make this to sell it mm -hmm. and it was missing a layer of that artist's process it was just a really maybe a beautiful rendering of something but it was but it's superficial it, yes and um and then we walked into another gallery and there was some very real stuff and then and just talked about how i don't know i felt so much more attracted to the things that were processed you know, driven. And maybe that's because I'm an art therapist. But I have made art since before. I grew up making art. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what an art therapist was when I was doing process art as a kid. And so I think it's important. The reason why I'm on this little tangent <laughs> about the process is, you know, that's what these summits are about. They're about the process mm -hmm. and as well as those connections with connection. people but honoring the process, and I, there's so much, and there we go with mindfulness again, mm -hmm. that we don't honor in our lives because we're like, what's next? What's, you know, how many other places do I have to go? I know I'm guilty of being a busy person, but um, I think that the process is akin to mindfulness and creative wellness, like that brand I've been working on this all the, these last few years mm -hmm. is just to help people realize that you don't have to be a fine artist to make art. You know, you can, anybody can use their creativity mm -hmm. in so many different ways in their life. I know at night when I go home and cook, I'm, I'm being very creative, mm -hmm. but I'm also being mindful and I'm really enjoying like cutting things up and looking at all the ingredients and building this meal and then feeding it to my people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so thanks for bringing up the process because I think that's really important. Um, 
to remember. I think we talk about processed food and how it's not good for you. I think it was the same thing of some of the art that you were talking about. Processed. It's it's processed for mass (laughs) consumption as opposed to the meal that you were talking about. Uh That's mindful and it's not meant to it feed appeal to mass people. It's meant to appeal it's meant to be part of your process of creating as well as feed those people who are important to you. And it's that in and of itself says something wonderful about you and, and the, your generosity of spirit. Oh, well, I, I'm looking at somebody who's very generous also across from me here. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, as a friend to the studio, is always finding treasures and whatever treasures they're not using in their art often become more media for people here when they're visiting and you know you're a very generous person I, I hope well I think it's, a, a, it's about um, also making connection it's not about being codependent it's saying uh, I the process of creating art is important to me and I want to share that and um, if I can contribute to someone's being able to process, uh, actively participate in that in that process, in this environment, um, that is a blessing to me. Mm. So, um, I I used to work in clay uh, when I was in school, and uh, hand building because the symmetry of of spinning in a wheel, I never quite got that. And it's not quite organic enough for me. And so I would be working clay and people would inevitably come up to me and ask me, what is it going to be? And I would say, I don't know, it has not told me yet. And it was baffling to most of the people. That's how Da Vinci worked. Oh, with that. He would look at a stone and he would let the stone talk to him as he carved when he did sculpture. I believe it was Da Vinci. Yeah. Yeah, to and I'm pieces. having a hell of a lot of fun, Beth Ann. Well, I'm, 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 I'm honored to witness, and I'm happy to keep doing that. So we, we are here getting to the end. Um, do you have any questions for me, Lindsay? No, I wouldn't want you to divulge anything that would uh, ruin the surprise. Of what? Tomorrow. <laughs> I like being, I don't like people jumping out at me, but I do like surprises. Uh-huh. I like spontaneity, which is the reason I didn't ask you for questions before podcast. Why? <laughs> I think we went there and you go, you know, I want it to be like organic. And I think it it's sort been. of kind of been organic. It's been great doing this. We should probably wrap up unless there's anything unsaid that you want to say. Sweetie, there's always something left unsaid. And that's a connection to tomorrow. Okay. All right, I'll let it I'll let that go there. That sounds that's good. my segue. Thank you so much, Lindsay Grant, for being here. And um, thank you for listening out there. And until the next time, this is Beth Ann Short with Creative Wellness uh, signing off. Thanks for listening.
The Creative Wellness Podcast is produced entirely by Beth Ann Short. For more information about my services, check out my website, bethannshort.com, and also my art therapy open studio, 100thmonkeystudio.com. Thanks so much.